can be seated. Good morning, Propel Church. How we doing? Woo! Well, I am excited to be up here this morning. My name is Tori Newman. I am on staff here at Propel Church. More than that, my honor and privilege is to be married to our lead pastor, Pastor Nick Newman, who has, woo, woo, I know, <laughs> who has entrusted this morning to me. He's entrusted this microphone to me, so I'm about to preach. Are y'all ready? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so about twice a year, I go away. I take some time away with God. I call it a reboot. You guys know when you call the IT guys, the first thing they ask you is, did you unplug it and plug it back in? And I think a lot of our, of our problems could be solved if we would unplug from the world and plug ourselves into God. So about twice a year, I do that. And the last time I went back in, it's like August, September, I, I discovered this, this new place. It's called the North Carolina uh, Arboretum, and it's a, a place with gardens and, and hiking trails and exhibits. And I, I'm a mountain girl. Anybody else a mountain person? Yeah. Uh, I'm a mountain over beach all day long. I love to be outside and in nature. I love to hike. Um, I brought my hammock, I set my hammock up, but what I discovered was this bonsai exhibit. Now, I knew a little bit about the bonsai tree, but what I really knew about it was that it was a tree. Um, <laughs> that, that's about it. <laughs> but as I, as I walked this process, they had, like on the wall, there were these pictures, and they had like, like a step-by-step guide of, of, hey, here's what, here's what happens first and second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth. And as I was reading those and looking at the pictures, I just began to hear God speak to me and say, hey, there's, this, is, this looks surface level, but there's some stuff in here that goes a lot deeper, and I want to show you what that is today. So before I do that, I'm going to pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this morning and just this opportunity to, to gather and and to hear your word. Father, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I've got this picture for you. These are the steps, the six steps that I have up here for you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you what these steps are, and then we're going to go back through them. Y'all with me so far? All right. So the first step that a gardener is going to do is he's going to pick a tree because you can't do bonsai without a tree. So first thing he's going to do is pick a tree. The main criteria in selecting a bonsai tree are its overall health and adaptability to the bonsai culture, which is growing in a container and regular pruning. So the gardener is looking for a tree that is healthy and that is adaptable to, to the culture of bonsai, which is growing in a container and regular pruning. So the next thing that he's going to do is he's going to start that process, which is pruning. Pruning is an essential ingredient in creating a bonsai. The gardener chooses which parts to remove or to leave based on a mental image of the best shape possible for the subject plant. So when a gardener is picking out a tree, he's already looking into the future of, okay, this is what it looks like now, but here's what it could look like. And in order to get it from where it is to where it needs to be to its best possible shape, pruning's got to happen. Right. 
So he's cutting off branches, but he's also leaving branches. And that's for this next step, which is reshaping or repositioning the branches. That's often necessary to achieve the desired result. They do this by wrapping soft wire around the branches so then they can bend the branches and then as they grow, they'll set that way and it'll look pretty and nice and and great. So after they reposition the branches, they then prune the roots. Root pruning allows the plant to grow indefinitely in a container without becoming pot bound. Great care is taken to do this work at the correct point in the growth cycle and to avoid aggressive pruning. Part of the bonsai culture is the plant living in the container. Now it may, the roots may not all fit in the container, so what the gardener has to do is he's got to cut some of those roots off, but he's very careful about this. He has to do it at a certain point in the growth cycle, and he has to be careful not to aggressively prune or the tree dies. We don't want that. So now that all this, uh, now that he's done pruning the roots, he's going to place it in the container. The container is not only a home for the plant's roots, it also contributes character to the overall presentation. And they don't just place the plant in the pot. If you can see right here, probably not. Um, But there are small wires that come up, and the gardener actually will secure the plant to the container because that's where it's going to live. So now that all of this is done, we get this pretty picture over here at this bottom corner. And it looks great but it's not done. It looks done, but, but the, the initial work is done, but it will never be considered finished as long as the plant is alive. The gardener will continue to maintain and develop the desired shape of the bonsai as it grows, always striving to refine the design while promoting excellent health in the living plant. This is a really great horticulture lesson but what does it have to do with us? I want to present you with this idea that we are the bonsai tree and God is the gardener. But what do we know about the bonsai tree other than it's a tree? Because my perception was that a bonsai tree was was this elite Asian object. It was a special kind of plant, but that's not what I found. And I thought that that this bonsai culture was just just like a little hobby, but it's more than that. See, bonsai is an engaging, challenging, intimate form of horticulture that functions as a form of creative expression. If we're the bonsai tree, we are God's form of creative expression. Here's what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are not God's amateur piece. We are not God's uh, intermediate piece. We are God's masterpiece. We are a creative expression of God's love. Now this bonsai is based on this one-on-one relationship between a person and a plant and it requires practice and persistence and patience. And as bonsai gardeners lovingly tend to their plants, the plants respond 
in health and beauty. And we'll talk about that a little later. But here's what else I learned. That a bonsai tree is not a special kind of tree. You can't, you can't go out in the woods of Asia and find a bonsai tree. I mean, you can, but there's not a specific tree called, this is a bonsai tree. Bonsai are actually ordinary plants cultivated in a special way. They're ordinary plants cultivated in a special way. Some of you have discredited yourself from what God wants to do or could do in your life because you say you are ordinary. But there is nothing special about followers of Jesus except this, that we are ordinary people cultivated by God in a special way. This is what makes us good followers of Jesus. And this is also what makes us good leaders. As leaders, there's, there's nothing. We may have gifts and abilities, but, but we're just ordinary people cultivated by God in a special way. So now that you know that, let's go back through this process. So the first thing that the gardener is going to do is he's going to pick a tree. There are two requirements for this tree. The overall health and the adaptability to the bonsai culture. When I think about a tree being healthy, there's not a whole lot I know about a healthy tree except for the fact that it's alive and it's growing. You guys are here today, so you're alive. So the next part is the adaptability to the bonsai culture. Well, well, what does that mean for us? It means when the gardener looks at the plant, does he see potential and willingness for the plant to grow and be shaped in the way that he sees in his mind? So I'm going to tell you guys this to answer the question of, do I have potential? I don't care what your parents said to you. I don't care what your teacher said. I don't care what your friends said. I don't care what your family says. I don't care what your coworkers or your boss says. When God looks at you, he sees potential. He sees unlimited, untapped potential. Whether you realize it or not, you have potential. The gardener has a mental image in his mind of the best shape possible for your life. You have potential. So the question's not, do you have potential? The question is, are you willing? Are you willing to let God cultivate your life? Because Revelation 3.20 says this, look, and this is Jesus speaking, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus is knocking. When you hear your voice, when you hear his voice, are you opening the door for him and letting him come in? Because that's the question. He's not going to force himself in. He's going to stand there and knock as long as it takes. It is up to you to open the door and let him in. Both into your life as a whole, but into those areas and be willing to let him cultivate them. So what does the cultivation of our hearts and our lives look like? 
it looks like this second step. It looks like pruning. And nobody likes this because we feel like God is, is cutting off parts of us that we've poured life into and now they're gone and we've wasted all this time. But pruning is God's cultivation process. It's essential to growth because even though things are being cut back, it's so that they can grow in abundance. Things are being cut back in your life so that you can grow bigger and more. It's God's cultivating process. And it's essential to growth. See, the gardener has this mental image, which means we can't see it. So we have to trust that he knows what he's doing because we're not the ones with the shears. He is. God's the one that's going to do the pruning in our lives. And we just have to trust that he knows what he's doing because he's the gardener. But the second thing about pruning is that it's not just about what's being cut. It's also about what remains. See, see, a tree is not just made up of branches that are cut off, but it's also made up of the branches that remain. Those are the branches that the gardener is going to spend time shaping and forming. So some of you in your life are focused on what God has cut away, and so he can't shape and develop what remains. What happens when a branch is cut off from a tree? It dies. It dies. So why are we holding on to dead things? If you have a bowl of apples and you got one that's rotten in the middle or at the bottom, guess what? It's going to rot all the rest of those apples. Those apples are healthy. But if you don't get rid of the toxic things in your life, they are going to affect not just the rest of your life, but they're going to affect the people around you. Because pruning is not just about, is about, oh, sorry. Pruning is essential to growth. So you've got to cut those things off. And once they're gone, you look at what remains. And you say, okay, God, here's what's left. What do you want to do with it? What do you want to do with it? So after, after the pruning process and, and then the shaping process, then comes the container. See, here's what, here's what I think about the container. I agree with them when they say it's not just a home, but it adds character to the overall plant. Where God has placed you, he is using to build, strengthen, and develop and grow your character. He's using where you're at to develop your character. That job that you've tried to get out of for 10 years, he's using it to develop your character. Those children that are driving you bananas and you just want to scream and, and say, be gone already. Can you be 18? God is using to develop your character. That spouse that you have that you're still married to because you're like, no, it's worth it. It's worth it to fight this fight. God's going to build your character. Do not despise where God has placed you because he's using it to develop your character. Like I said earlier, bonsai is an engaging, challenging, and intimate form 
of horticulture that functions as a form of creative expression because we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us, so that we can achieve that best shape for our lives. See, we are not, we are not just random objects. This is not a hobby for God when he's like, mm, I don't have time for you right now, so I'm going to sit you to the side. I mean, you guys got hobbies that, like, you, got, you say you like fishing, but you ain't been in two years. You are not fishing to God. You are his masterpiece, what he is spending his life work on to make you anew in Jesus. Because in his mind, he sees the best shape possible. And he sees where you're at right now, and he knows where you could be. And so he wants to make your life a creative expression of his love of his love for us, of his love for others, of his love for those people we don't like or agree with. We are God's creative expression. Now, the cultivation of ourselves, like I said, is an intimate process. It is challenging. You guys know you're challenging sometimes. I'm challenging sometimes but it's engaging, it's one-on-one, it's persistent, it's patient. And the plants respond with health and beauty. So let me ask you this. How are you responding to what God is doing in your life? Are you responding to health and, in health and beauty? Are you responding in a healthy and beautiful way? Because if you're not, there's three things, three places I think that you could be. Either number one, you don't have an intimate relationship with the gardener. Number two, you do, but you're unwilling to let him cultivate your life. Or number three, you've said you're willing, but every time he cultivates it, you complain. God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I don't understand. So where are you if you're not responding in health and beauty? And you might ask, well, what does that look like to not respond with health and beauty? It looks like Galatians 5. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you see any of your responses on this screen? I do. I do at times, I feel like I'm, I'm doing great, and, and I'm a planner, and, and I like to have things planned out, and, and like we're step by step, this is what my day looks like, here's what I'm doing at this time, and then something happens out of the blue, 
and out of the ordinary, and I have to change my whole schedule, and how do I respond? I want to say I respond great, but the truth is I don't. The truth is every now and then when things don't go the way that I had planned, I outburst in anger and frustration. And I have goals, and I have dreams, and I have things I want to do, and I feel like I'm doing well, and then I pull up social media, and somebody's like three goals ahead of me. And I respond in jealousy. And, and I have to rework it. I have to rework things. Let me tell you guys, I spent, our, we do 21 days of prayer twice a year. I spent this past 21 days of prayer working on my bad attitude. Letting God cultivate and prune that out of my life. And I know it's not done, because it's not. But what does the other side of this look like? What are we striving for? Because we can say, oh, yeah, let's be more like Jesus. But what does that look like? Looks like verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. These should be the responses to what God is doing in our lives. These nine things right here. And so what does that mean? Because we don't want the things on that first list, but we do want the things on this second. So it looks like replacing them. It looks like choosing love over lust. It looks like choosing joy over anger. It looks like choosing peace over quarreling, patience over sexual immorality, kindness over jealousy, goodness over impurity, faithfulness over division, gentleness over hostility, self-control over wild parties. You take those and you replace that first list. And you say, I'm done living that first list life. I want to live this second list life because this is how God's cultivating us. This is how he's shaping us. He's looking at the best shape possible for our lives, and he's looking at this list. And he's saying, cool, like I'm going to take this off of you, but we're going to keep this here, and we're going to shape it. We're going to shape it into love and to joy and peace and patience and kindness and all of the rest of those because that is the best shape possible for our lives. It's the best shape possible for our lives. But what happens when we mess up? Like I said, when I get frustrated and have outbursts of anger or, or get jealous or envious or find myself on that first list. Well, the good news is this is not a one and done process. It's not one, and, one time and then we're done. We see this picture of a beautiful bonsai tree, and that looks great. But that's not a statue, it's a tree. And trees grow. And branches come up out of places, and roots get misplaced, and, and leaves at the end of them start to die off, and, and those need to be pruned and cut again. And we get frustrated because this is not a one and done thing. It's a process over and over again. 
And if we're getting frustrated, is God getting frustrated? Is he going to be done with us at some point? Is he going to throw in the towel and be like, you are too much work. I am over this. He doesn't. He doesn't. Philippians 1.6 gives us this promise. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God's not done. We have a saying around here, and it says, if you're not dead, God's not done. If you're not dead, God's not done. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how far you've been away. I don't care how close you were at one point, but now not so much. God's not done with you. You will never be finished until the day that you die or the day that Jesus comes back. See, we're going to meet Jesus either when we die or when he comes back. Until then, we are a work in progress. And God's not going to get be done with us. He's not. He's going to continue this work. But that means more pruning. And it means more shaping. And sometimes it means staying in the same place that you've been for the last 10 years or five years. But guess what? He's not done. And he's always looking at the best shape possible for your life. The last verse I have for you today comes out of Psalm 92. And it says this, But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. I love this version because of this verse or this word transplanted. Because none of us started out with God. We have all been transplanted into his house. Some of us may have been saplings and some of us may have been big oak trees, but regardless, we have all been transplanted. And when we're transplanted into God's house, there we will flourish. And it doesn't matter what our age is. It doesn't matter what our past is. It doesn't matter what our background is because we will still continue to produce fruit. We will remain vital and green as long as we stay rooted in God's house. So for those of us who have been following Jesus for a long time, that means, that means getting connected to the local church. And it doesn't need to be here, but it needs to be somewhere where you are, are connected and flourishing in the house of God. And some of you are in here and, and you're like, I still don't really know about this Jesus thing. And yeah, okay, so I can be ordinary and that's okay, but I don't think you understand what I've done. I don't think you understand how, how deep these roots go. I don't think you understand how, how long and strong these branches already are. 
I don't think you understand how, how hard it is to try and change these habits. And there's not a piece of equipment that can transplant a giant oak tree. I beg to differ. I did, I did a lot of traveling right out of high school with, with some missions organizations. And, and we went to, to places like Germany and Turkey and, and Thailand and Japan. And while I was in Japan, we were walking through this college campus. And we see this big old patch of dirt. And we say, what is going on here? And they say, oh, there was a tree there and we moved it. And I was like, okay, like that's pretty normal for a small tree to be, to be moved somewhere else. They decided they didn't like it there, so they moved it. Come to find out, it's this tree right here. That is not a small tree, guys. You may have been running from God for a long, long time, but our God is big enough to move this tree and transplant it into his house. So I'm going to ask you these two questions again as you stand. Are you alive? And you're here, so you're alive. And are you willing? Are you willing to let God come in and cultivate your life? Are you willing to let him take over? Are you willing to let the gardener hold the shears? Are you willing to let him prune off what needs to be pruned off? Are you willing to let him take those, those toxic things away to cut off things so that you can grow even more in abundance? Are you willing to let him take what remains and shape it? Are you willing to let him teach you and develop your character where he has placed you? These are these two questions for this morning. And I want to talk to, to two different people and the first is those that have been following Jesus, but they've been unwilling. You've been unwilling to let him cultivate your life because you're afraid of what you might lose instead of focusing on what you're going to gain. But today, today you want to make that decision to let God come in and cultivate your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you say, I've been following Jesus, but I've been unwilling to let him come in and cultivate my life to prune off what needs to be pruned off, will you just lift your hand? I just want to pray for you. I just want to say this prayer for you. God, we have said yes to you, but we have not allowed you to cultivate our lives, to prune what needed to be pruned and shape what needed to be shaped. But today, with our hands raised, we want to change that. We want your best shape for our lives. And we put those areas in your capable hands. In Jesus' name. And I want you to keep your, keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed because I want to talk to, to those of you who haven't been following Jesus, who are not tr yet transplanted into God's house. And you want to do that today. You, you say you've been far from God, but 
Jesus died to forgive you of, of everything you ever did and everything you will ever do. And, and he was raised to life to bring you back into relationship with the gardener. So if, if that's you this morning and you're ready for God to shift you from where you are to where he wants you to be in his house, will you just lift your hands? Now, we, we don't pray alone here. So everybody, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. We celebrate with those who made decisions for Jesus today. Now let's worship together.